Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Gut Wrench Podcast. In this case, I should be calling it the Gut Wrench Podcast. Even though I'm not sure if there is another Gut Wrench Podcast, I should be calling it at this point Wrestling the the Gut Wrench Wrestling Podcast or the Wrestling Gut Wrench Podcast. But nonetheless, today, this episode was supposed to go up on Thursday, but I had some sort of complications in order to um, not record said episode the night before, or rather nights before, so sorry for the late upload, I guess you could call it, Um, but... I'm going to be trying to upload every Thursday from now on. So Thursday evening, you should be expecting, unless something changes in my work schedule for a week, or unless something changes in my work schedule for like, I guess you could say, the next so on and so on and so forth, you know? At any point in time, if my work schedule does change, I will be sure to update my Twitter and let you guys know. I will not be updating any other any other platforms other than Twitter. Now, if you hear any background noise, if you hear any meowing, it's because I have three cats. And as much as I would love to not have them be a part of this podcast... Unfortunately, I have no choice. I do know that that sounds a little bit unprofessional to be like, Hey, listen, I have three cats, you know, don't be, don't be, uh, counting your stars that you won't hear any background noises or anything of that nature. Because once you do hear something like that, it's just my cats having fun and talking to me or for that matter I guess trying to talk to me I guess they see that I'm busy paying attention to something else other than them and it kind of makes them jealous but anyway enough about my three cats today and don't worry I have a point before you hear me say this, um, you're going to think that it's irrelevant. A lot of you wrestling fans is going to think, oh, he's, he's just irrelevant, and he's trying to be irrelevant, or this has no relevancy to the, you know, recent wrestling events, so why would I listen to this? And you would be surprised to how relevant it truly is. Take, for example, before we get into it, take, for example, AEW. All Elite Wrestling right now is holding a tournament. Holding a tournament to see who their next AEW World Champion is going to be. That is the proper way 
to find a number one contender or a champion. If you do not have a champion and you run a wrestling company, that is the proper way to find a number one contender by holding a tournament and putting your strongest athletes, your strongest talents in the tournament and allowing them to eliminate each other. Putting them in one-on-one -on -one matches and making sure that one by one they each get a shot and for that matter they get booked, they get TV time, the world goes on. You know, the the wrestling world especially gets what what they want. However, looking at the brackets, I I don't approve of one certain bracket. I do believe John Moxley won his match, so that's the good news. Moxley also did a very strong promo where he said that he's going to win this whole damn thing. But he also said regardless of whether he wins or he loses, it's not important to him. He gave a speech about his daughter. She's like maybe less than a year old because he got Renee Young pregnant. But like I said, you guys are going to think that this is irrelevant to recent wrestling happenings. Um, but in reality, it's not. In reality, it couldn't be further from the truth. Today we're going to be talking about number one contenders and how to find them. You see, I did the pleasure, I did the, um, I guess you could say I took the pleasure upon myself to watch a very, very old wrestling pay-per-view. Whenever I say very, very old, I mean that it is from 2002. Let me check the date on that and make sure. Yes, 2002. So, the Monday Night Raw before, which was like six days before the actual wrestling event itself, I had made a, a few notes here, and it looks like that this is what took place. Hype starts to build after Flair... Ric Flair finds Austin, um, Steve Austin, $5,000 for stunning him for the second time. Triple H versus Hulk Hogan, the winner of that match, will face The Undertaker versus Austin at Backlash of that year. Backlash, by the way, this uh, Raw episode was recorded on 4-15 of... 2002. So what that means is that was April 15th of 2002. They had this uh, Monday Night Raw episode where they had Triple H 
who was the champion at the time, face off against Hulk Hogan. Hogan, who was making a um, comeback. And it seemed like, for whatever reason, that the weeks leading up to that pay-per-view, they were really um, showing you old footage of Hulk Hogan, almost like people had forgotten who Hulk Hogan was at the time, saying that the last time that Hulk Hogan won a world title was in the 80s. And keep in mind, this was in 2002. But um, Triple H versus Hulk Hogan, the winner of that match, will face Undertaker versus Steve Austin at Backlash of that year. Hall sits. Hall gets upset that Flair interfered last week, and takes it out on Flair. Now, Scott Hall at the time was a part of a group known as the NWO, and the NWO had numbers like they had practically. Some people say that there were upwards of 70 to 80 people in the NWO. Um, the NWO, of course, means New World Order. You you guys didn't, didn't understand. Scott Hall was the person that I was referring to whenever I said Hall gets upset that Flair interfered last week. Now, I did not watch the Monday Night Raw before this one. So, I don't really know if Ric Flair did interfere, um, but he came out and he said that he did. I'm sorry, Scott Hall said that Ric Flair interfered and takes it out on Flair. Um, shortly after that, um, Bubba Ray versus uh, Raven in a hardcore title match. Now at the time the hardcore um the hardcore um scene was sort of like they had this championship and it was a championship title in which that had to be defended twenty four seven. That was their rule basically is that it didn't matter where it was. It had to be defended right then and there. So, uh, for instance, one week you had Crash Holly, who was um, defending his hardcore championship in a ball pit. And aside from a ball pit, he was also in, like, uh, one of those indoor playgrounds. You know, like he went down the slide, um, avoiding opponents, and then you had these guys who were chasing him. At the time, they were chasing after him because they wanted his hardcore championship. And not only did they want his hardcore championship, did they want an opportunity at the hardcore title, but they also had a referee chasing after I mean, he had a referee chasing after him as well which must have looked a little bit ridiculous. You also had TV cameras following him, too. If you think about how ridiculous that sounds. But Bubba Ray versus Raven in a hardcore title match, which the hardcore title was, um, like I said, the 24-7 rule still applied. 
And it looks like that I have written down here that Raven wins. Tommy Dreamer shows up. And then I, I wrote it down here. 24-7 rules apply. And Dreamer takes the title. Then Stevie Richards steals the title. Bubba wins it back. So basically, Stevie Richards comes in. He uh, super kicks... He super kicks Tommy Dreamer. Uh, Tommy Dreamer lays... Um, Lays Raven out with a, um, a DDT, if I remember correctly. And um, Bubba wins it back in the end. Sean Stasiak versus The Big Show. This one was kind of entertaining, honestly. Um, but it, I really didn't write anything down here. And honestly, whenever I remember it, which would, it was like three weeks ago whenever I went back and watched this. But whenever I remember it, um, I remember how small that that match actually was. It was almost like just a squash match. And Big Show made short work of Stasiak. I don't have that written down here, but that's that's pretty much what happened. Eddie versus RVD, Booker T and Goldust segment, Undertaker, Deborah segment, Spills coffee on him. He sneaks up behind her. Crash versus Jackie. Over in a blink. Yeah, basically, um, like I said, Crash Holly, kind of notorious for just having short matches, no matter where you look. Now, a lot of you, of course, are like, oh, but this isn't relevant to today. How does this help you for for today you know um and in hindsight you might be right you might be right that all this isn't really progressively proactive toward what it is that we will be discussing today um and i'm going to get into that in just a few minutes I'm going to get into the fact that almost exclusively today, WWE, and I'm saying WWE, I don't mean wrestling in a whole. I just mean this one company who claims to be the biggest wrestling company in the world. And it is true that they are the biggest wrestling company in the world today. But the one thing that's not true is the fact that they're the best wrestling company today. It bothers me, though. It bothers me that <clears throat> that they are oh, lazy cool, you know? That they don't have these... They don't have exactly anything figured out as far as professional wrestling goes as far as anything that they could accomplish and they could be better at they they're lazy in it and I'm going to explain how okay and I'm going to give examples this was in 2002 though um that was the rundown I guess you could say and the very next week um 
the date that I give here is 4-21-2002. So, Eddie and Regal, Eddie and William Regal versus Spike and RVD. Decent match, 3 out of 5 stars. Trish versus Molly Holly, which really wasn't a match because I really don't have a ra rating for it here. So, I guess it really wasn't a match so much as it was a, I guess, a segment of some sort. I don't have anything written down for it. It just says Trish versus Molly Holly. If it was a match, I would have a rating written down here. It says, segment where Paul Heyman steals Lita's underwear. I have two question marks there. Doesn't mean that I have two questions. I have several questions. Tells her he wants to, quote, play with her. Generic AF promo from Triple H. Interview with JR. And, um, yeah, the segment where Paul Heyman steals Lita's underwear, um, using that as a mind game, um, for Brock versus Matt. Hogan versus Triple H. Slow hoss fight, yeah, to start. To start off, but a great story got told by the end of the night. Four out of five stars. It was such a good match, as a matter of fact, guys, that at the end of it, Triple H stands up and shakes Hulk Hogan's hand. Even though there was some fuckery involved about how um, the, the match ends here. Triple H stands up and shakes Hulk Hogan's hand. That's sportsman conduct, sportsman-like conduct that you don't see um, almost anywhere else today. Matter of fact, you don't see it in NFL, NHL, maybe, because they make them uh, shake hands before or after the end of every game, but they make them do that. It's not like, you know, they just sign up to do that. <clears throat> A cruiserweight title match for the um, cruiserweight championship. There's not much to say for this one right here as far as uh, this was the opener for the uh, Backlash pay-per-view. Um, two out of five stars is what I have wrote down here. It says I had to watch a lot of buffering screens, but the match was not too exciting. Yeah, I can see that. And yeah, the buffering screen stopped, basically, after this next match. It was JBL versus Scott Hall. And whenever I say JBL, um, John Bradshaw Layfield, but he hadn't rich. He hadn't, like, exactly gotten to this point in his career where he was, like, the pompous-ass billionaire that you... that he portrayed whenever... Paul Heyman fired Ron Simmons because they lost the um, tag team match. Then they went back to Paul Heyman practically begging for their jobs. And then he Heyman looked at both Bradshaw and Farouk and then he said, Oh, I didn't say that you were fired. 
points at Bradshaw, and then he says, I said, you were. So, he was talking about the other guy in the group. But, I didn't know how to spell Bradshaw, so I wrote down JBL, because I'm an idiot who can't spell. But, I know him as JBL. John Bradshaw Layfield versus Scott Hall. Three out of five stars is a fast-paced hoss fight. Um, didn't care for the ending, personally. But, personally, doesn't matter. You know, I try to do these without being biased. I try to rank or rate these matches with no bias whatsoever. And the end of this match was basically some... So, Bradshaw gets... I hate to spoil this for you guys, but, I mean, it's an old pay-per-view anyway... But Bradshaw kind of gets the lower end of something. I'm pretty sure there was a low blow uh, by Scott Hall. And Hall ended up um, getting the finish via a a cradle. Which was kind of disappointing. You know, you was hoping to actually see someone get knocked out. But in that case, I guess you could say that Scott Hall kind of over was the word that I'm looking for, you know? He kind of outsmarted JBL, but I I wouldn't exactly put it that that way because Bradshaw is so much stronger than him, you know? But Hall is so much bigger than than JBL. It's hard to explain. Like you would have to see you would have to see a tell of the tape on on um paper, I guess. But you would have to look at it from 2002 rather than today. Trish Trish versus Jazz. Feels good. It was a fast-paced uh, woman's titles match. Ended too early. 2 out of 5 2 out of 5 stars. Okay, so originally I had here on these notes that Brock Lesnar versus Matt Hardy, but um, Matt Hardy was basically in the hospital, or so they said. But, you know, I'd watched the Monday Night Raw before, and it looks like that uh, Brock Lesnar beat the holy hell out of uh, Matt Hardy before. Like, that was a week ago, though, and then... Whenever you fast forward a week later into the pay-per-view, it looks like that there was a fill-in for Matt Hardy, and it was his brother Jeff Hardy. And really, that was just like over in a second, one out of five, because one out of five stars is what I should say. Uh, like I said, it was bad storytelling. Everything Brock did to Jeff was Lita's fault, and I put that in air quotes because... Lita's fault it really makes no sense whenever you think about it in the grand scheme of things but Paul Heyman kept screaming this is your fault this is your fault like everything that happens to Jeff Hardy is somehow connected to Paul Heyman's love for women's panties or for that matter <clears throat> Paul Heyman's love for um um 
you know, like I said, it's just bad storytelling overall. Um, every th- every time that Brock would do something like punch Jeff for one reason or another, Paul Heyman kept screaming toward Lita, who is the boyfriend of Jeff Hardy's um, brother, Matt Hardy. Paul Heyman kept screaming to Lita, this is your fault. This is your fault. Edge versus Kurt Angle. Four out of five stars. Highly entertaining, nice, back and forth, fast-paced action. Now, whenever you're booking a pay-per-view like this, this is what I hate. If you look at the beginning match, two out of five stars. Then you go from two out of five stars, the Cruiserweight title match, which I just told you about, which is Tajiri and um, Billy Kidman. I didn't write. I didn't write down their names. I don't know why, but I guess I have to remember that, uh, or I could just write it down now or later whenever I stop recording. Tajiri versus um, Billy Kidman, if I remember correctly. JBL versus Scott Hall, which is three out of five. So. This first match was two out of five stars, and it tends to get a little bit better at three out of five stars. And then you go back down to a match for the women's championship, which was two out of five stars. And then you get this, Jeff Hardy versus Brock Lesnar. And I can go no further than one out of five stars, aside from not giving it any stars whatsoever. Which isn't fair to the rating system, if I'm being honest. I wasn't going to sit out here and talk about the rating system, though. That wasn't my plan today. <clears throat> Edge versus Kurt Angle, 4 out of 5 stars. Which seems like that it would be a main event match, but why? Why would one match that is almost a 5-star five, five entertaining match be followed up by... <clears throat> I'm sorry, be um, practically ruined by one that couldn't even keep my interest in a one out of five stars match. And to be honest, Brock Lesnar, almost all of his matches are like that. Because the kid's not entertaining. I shouldn't call him a kid. But there's nothing entertaining about Brock Lesnar. As I hit my microphone on accident. Trying to clear my throat, sorry. Brock Lesnar just... Nothing that he did was like that was just the one-sided ass kicking and it wasn't even funny like Brock Lesnar wasn't even the hero you know <clears throat> now this is going to be a little bit of of um foreshadowing if you will so try to pay attention to what's happening here <clears throat> Jericho, Y2J, as he was known as the, at the time, rather, um, 
Chris Jericho comes out and he has this this big hoo ha hoo ha hoo ha hoo ha hooray about the fact that he's not on the match or on the card for the backlash pay-per-view uh, and he feels that he's being disrespected because 30 days ago keep this in mind Chris Jericho made history 30 days before this pay-per-view event happened Chris Jericho was the first ever undisputed champion not only in WWE but in professional wrestling he was the first man to hold two championships at one time in professional wrestling up until 2002 that hadn't been done before so he's mad that um in march of 2002 he was on top of the world and now only a month later and he has nothing to show for it um and he's mad apparently not at himself for not having anything to show for it but rather he's mad at I guess some sort of higher up manager the next match after Jericho comes out like I said a little bit of foreshadowing here he's mad is he going to do something about it <clears throat> but our next match on the card here was the IC champion match which basically means intercontinental champion um <clears throat> it was Eddie Guerrero versus Rob Van Dam. If I remember, RVD was the champion at the time, and Eddie at the time was accusing RVD of stealing his frog splash. My cat just meowed. I'm not sure what she's trying to tell me, but I'm guessing that she's tired of me being on the podcast. She wants some attention. Still got 30 minutes, kitty cat. Eddie Guerrero versus Rob Van Dam. And see, this was like a slow-paced... Um, but it was still entertaining. It was very entertaining. That's why I gave it 3 out of 5 stars. It was... I felt like it should have been a little bit longer, you know? Um... I don't have down here who won, um, but I feel like I would have remembered if Eddie would have won and stole RVD's title. Um, no pun intended, you know, because Eddie lies, cheats, and steals. Steve Austin versus The Undertaker. Three out of five stars. I have a in-depth review here, almost like a paragraph Oh yeah, and I forgot to mention something. Steve Austin versus The Undertaker with Ric Flair as the special guest referee. Number one contenders match for the WWF Undisputed Championship. For a shot at a pay-per-view 30 days away, Judgment Day 2002, great storytelling. Do you know why that, in which that I wanted to talk about today, do you know why 
that was somewhat of a, quote, great storytelling, it's because it took a person of, of interest who was in management at the time, Rick Flair, and it practically gave them what they were looking for. There lies the problem today. Today, it's almost like they're throwing baloney at the wall and trying to get a name off of their target. And I've mentioned this before in my YouTube channel, where I've talked extensively about the fact that Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn are getting title shots. And Sami Zayn... Kevin Owens, they haven't really been seen on television in the United States, at least, for about the better half of January. Yeah, yeah, January. Um, they were in the Elimination Chamber the month after, but aside from that, so January, February um, of this year, they have yet to have another championship opportunity. And here we are in October. As a matter of fact, they haven't even been on TV. So either I'm making headway in everything that I'm talking about. Or something is is happening to garner them not being on TV anymore. And I'm so happy about that. I know I don't sound happy, necessarily. I don't sound like I'm jumping up and down right now. But believe me when I tell you that my moral happiness, I can finally sleep at night, knowing that those pieces of cancer are no longer anywhere near a wrestling ring. I would hate to see someone get hurt. Anyway... Back to the task at hand here. It says Steve Austin versus The Undertaker. And like I said, I forgot to mention something. Someone who was biased towards Steve Austin before. Ric Flair. The special guest referee number one contenders match. And that's what this was. This was Steve Austin versus The Undertaker for a number one contenders match. Or rather, this was the number one contender's match, is what I mean to say. Whoever wins this match goes on to goes on to the next wrestling pay-per-view 30 days from the day that they signed this pay-per-view. So basically, like I said, therein lies your problem. Nowadays, they're not willing to wait 30 days to hype up a pay-per-view for an event. Now, what they plan on doing, in all honesty, is something to the effect of uh, pull a name out of a hat and then just see... Oh, and then just play, play pin, the, pin the tail on the name. You know? It's practically what they do today. They don't make the audience believe that the person that they pick to be 
number one contender for their champion actually deserves it. Because the person that they pick for number one contender for their champion is usually somebody who no one knows who they are. Or for that matter, if you do know who they are, then you don't exactly, like you don't see it coming. And there's no like revolutionary hashtag on Twitter that got them to the place that they are. It's just like an overnight thing where they just snap their fingers, wipe their ass, and then they say, I know who's going to be number one contender. You know, it it came to me while I was in the bathroom. I I looked down at the poop that I just took, and then I said, holy crap, that's, that's Sami Zayn. He, he needs a championship shot. Anyway, I'm going to get through this right now. So like I said, Flair had a problem with Steve Austin before. If you'll remember, earlier in the episode, at a previous Monday Night Raw, um... Hype starts to build after Flair finds Austin $5,000 for stunning him for a second time. Maybe Flair held some sort of resentment against Austin. Because in this match in particular, I hate to tell you guys this, but Ric Flair cannot officiate at all. Like, They sold the fact, to me at least, this was my first time watching this pay-per-view, even though it was in 2002. No, that wasn't supposed to rhyme. I'm not the MC on the mic tonight, but very entertaining, but ending with a low-hanging fruit. Flair is a blind ref and does not know how to count falls or outside. Undertaker wins but Austin had his foot on the rope. That's basically where the proverbial low-hanging fruit comes from. You see, in professional wrestling, if someone counts one, two, three, usually the match is over, unless that person had their foot under or on the ropes. There's a rule in professional wrestling that states that if your foot is under or on a rope, then that garners a rope break. Aside from that, Ric Flair didn't count when both men were down. You see, there's a rule in professional wrestling that you're supposed to have a 10 count whenever you're One, outside of the ring. Two, your opponent is in the corner and you are beating the hell out of them. Or three, when both men... When both men's shoulders hit the mat. So, what that means is that if, like, me and you were... Let's take boxing, for example. When someone punches someone out the referee has a 10 count to work with, or at least they used to. 
I remember uh, several video games, me playing uh, boxing video games where the referee would try to, or at least count to ten. And then once they got to ten, it was considered a technical knockout, a TKO. Um, in this case, Flair, uh, at one point in the match, he didn't count to ten. He didn't count to one. He didn't count to two. He didn't count at all, as a matter of fact. So his officiating skills are less than ideal, if anything. So Ric Flair gets to the back, and um, when he does, one of the... Excuse me. One of the um, journalists back there, his name is uh, Coach coach ends up showing flair exactly what happened that austin's foot was on the rope and the only thing that flair has to say is ah shit that's literally what he says he says oh shit he realizes that he'd made a mistake the next night on raw flair says sorry to austin and then he says that he has evidence he says Ric Flair, to clear his name, he basically says, hey, listen, it was a mistake. It was a, quote, honest mistake. And he can prove it. So, of course, he comes out to the ring and he does prove it. He has footage from what looks to be Ric Flair's point of view. From what looks to be um, someone else's... Um, body the undertaker specifically the undertaker's body was in the way of rick flair seeing that austin's foot was in fact on the rope so in hindsight rick flair couldn't actually see with his own two eyes that austin's foot was in fact and indeed on the rope Flair says sorry to Austin, and he also proves that he's cleared of any charges, that it wasn't, you know, for malicious purposes. It wasn't because Austin actually stunned him um, later on in the night, or not later on in that night, but later on last week is what I should say. Um, Austin, however, thinks Flair is hiding something further. Eddie attacks RVD after RVD wins against Mr. Perfect. So, they basically had a match where Eddie Guerrero attacked... Er, uh, where uh, RVD basically um, fought Mr. Perfect. Now, Mr. Perfect, in one sense or another, um, was a jobber in this, in this debacle right there. So, because, honestly, Mr. Perfect probably hadn't wrestled since, like, 1980, 1990s. Bubba Ray and Spike Dudley versus Goldust and Booker T. Two out of five stars. It was entertaining. Yeah, it was an entertaining hardcore match uh, because of the 24-7 title rules. <clears throat> 
William Regal versus Sean Stasiak. One out of five stars, William Regal punched him. He drops like a sack of potatoes, and then after that, he basically just runs off. Regal just hit him one good time, and then he just fell over. And if you'll remember, Sean Stasiak earlier last week, I'm sorry, the week before that, um, we're no longer on the Backlash pay-per-view, really. We're on the uh, Raw after, because after Austin... I didn't even I didn't even get to the tag titles match but really it was one out of five stars no one it, it really sucked honestly um nothing to really talk about is what I have here on my notes so that's why I skipped over it Billy and Chuck versus Al Snow and Maven this match was a sleeper nothing really to talk about this once again was what I was talking about here's how they booked it Here's how they did it, rather. Y2J segment, wherever it... Oh, man. Sorry about that. <clears throat> so, Jericho comes out. He says that he's mad. He says somebody's going to get it tonight, you know, basically. Eddie versus RVD. It was a slow-paced action, but it was for the Intercontinental Championship. And then you have what was supposed to be, and in my eyes... This is the way that I would have done it. I would have done Billy and Chuck next after Eddie and RVD because the, the world tag team titles is far less important than figuring out who the fuck your number one contender is. Throughout the match, throughout the event, rather, they really put a lot of uh, oomph into... Um, A lot of hype behind this match right here. Steve Austin versus The Undertaker with the Ric Flair as the special guest ring announcer. Or as the special referee, rather. The reason that they were putting a lot of uh, backbone into that match right there. A lot of hype and a lot of stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. We still got Austin versus Undertaker. Next. Or stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. Austin versus Undertaker later on in the night. The reason that they would put a lot of power into that and a lot of hype is because that was supposed to be like a main event, earth-shattering match, you know? That's why you would pay to see the pay-per-view. But tell me why would I want to watch a pay-per-view that you had basically beat a dead horse for Austin versus The Undertaker. But after that, I was told about... Rather, I wasn't told about it, but after that, I would get this one out of five stars over in like seven minutes, maybe. Billy versus Chuck... Billy and Chuck, rather, versus Al Snow and Maven. Um... Had it been me, I would put Al Snow and Maven and Billy and Chuck, the tag titles. I would put it right here after the Cruiserweight title match. And then, had that been the case, I would put JBL versus Scott Hall. Um, probably right where Brock Lesnar was. It's okay, buddy. Right where the Brock Lesnar, um, Jeff Hardy match was. And I probably wouldn't use Jeff Hardy or uh, Brock Lesnar to wipe my ass with. Um, especially Brock Lesnar. 
Jeff Hardy, there's really nothing wrong with him. Then I would have Eddie versus RVD, Steve Austin versus um, The Undertaker. And if you're wondering where Jericho fits into this, the Y2J segment, wherever he said somebody's going to get it later on tonight, um, Hogan versus Triple H. I am not going to spoil that for you. Really, I'm not. Because Jericho, I mean, he comes out, but I'm not going to tell you what he does. Um, you want to watch it, I say go for it. Um, or at least watch highlights on YouTube. You know, it's it's quite entertaining. But anyway, the next night on Raw, like I said, uh, William Regal versus Sean Stasiak at Regal punches him one time. He's he's out like a like a sack of potatoes. Uh, JBL was knocked out, and the NWO gets blamed for it. Then Flair has to find a new partner for Austin. So earlier in the night, um, Ric Flair decided that it was a good idea to put Steve Austin in a tag team match uh, against the NWO. The NWO, of course, being Scott Hall and... Um, X-Pac, not the entire NWO, because that's upwards of like 80 people, like I said earlier. Um, had that been the case, he had to find him a new partner, and then he looks straight at Scott Hall and straight, straight at um, X-Pac, and he tells them who their new opponent will be. He says, the big show. And then they're like, oh, no, not the big show. Come on. Give us a break. Give us a break already. So, after Big Show is named Austin's partner, there's a match. And it's Big Show and Austin versus the NWO. NWO, of course, I mean... Just X-Pac and um, Scott Hall, not the entire NWO, because it's said to be more than, or around the number of 80 people. And that had been the case, it was some fairly fast-paced action with the twist, you know, and I didn't see this twist coming, honestly. Even though I'd been watching professional wrestling for more than I can remember, um... Matter of fact, before this episode ends, you know what the one thing in show business is, people? In show business, the show must go on. In the business of entertainment and in the business of show business, they have a, a saying. The saying is, keep them wanting more so while I say that while I say keep them wanting more we just reviewed three weeks of professional wrestling practically and like I said NWO versus Big Show and Steve Austin some fast paced action with a twist but I only gave it two out of five stars and I didn't expect what I saw. It was maybe a three-minute match, you know? Um, and the twist, and like I said, keep them wanting more. Keep them turning 
your channel on each and every week. Because you don't want to be a bipartisan viewer. Because a bipartisan viewer doesn't rake in as much money. You know, a bipartisan viewer, or for this, let's say a bipartisan listener, let's say if I had merchandise, which I don't know, it could happen, but let's say that I had merchandise, I would want everyone who's listening to my podcast to be informed of what that merchandise is. I would want them to be in entranced by my merchandising. I would want them to always, always, always buy the new shirts, buy the new whatever, and be passionate about listening to me because I have a platform that I can express my views at. And I would hope that you would do that. You, the listener, being forever entranced and forever a fan of what it is that I do on a week-to-week basis, I would hope that you would stay tuned every week. Not just, uh, let's see what's happening on wrestling tonight, and then just change the channel, watch a few minutes, and then just be like, nah. You know, you want passionate viewers, and that's exactly what I am, is a passionate viewer. I've been a passionate viewer ever since I've been maybe seven years old, maybe six. Um, and with that in mind, here's what the twist was, ladies and gentlemen. For those of you who don't know, the NWO versus the Big Show and Steve Austin. And as I said before, the NWO, of course, just representing Scott Hall and X-Pac. Whenever Austin finally gets the tag to the big man, the big show, who's 7 feet, 435 pounds, if not larger than that, um, he turns around and he starts beating the hell out of Steve Austin. And the closing, before they go, before it fades to black and before they say, before they say goodnight, they say, how the hell is Ric Flair going to explain this to Austin? The way that it made it sound was almost like... Almost like Steve Austin was being punished. We have a variety of choices here. And this all began with Steve Austin giving Ric Flair a stunner. Now, I was hoping that we would have a little bit more time.
I was hoping that we would have a little bit more time. I do apologize for the weird, awkward silences as well, ladies and gentlemen. That's a staple in this podcast here. Um, however, I was hoping that we would have a little bit more time so that we could um, talk about a little bit, a little bit more, if if you will, especially the fact that there was a pay-per-view recently that I wanted to review, but it's fine, it's fine, because every, every Thursday I'm going to be uploading, unless, of course, as I said before, my schedule changes for whatever reason, an impromptu schedule change, but I'm not going to be here for like two hours, you know, um, talking about professional wrestling. I'm already starting to lose my voice, if you can't already tell, which you probably can't because I have software that allows me to uh, keep my voice at a steady volume the entire time that I'm recording. But one thing that I do want to talk about is the um, Crown Jewel pay-per-view that happened this past week. Or at least from the recording, from the time of this recording, it was last Sunday. I do believe, last Saturday. So, had that been the case, what... I'm going to do now is I'm going to bid you all a good night. It's been fun talking to you. We just went over three weeks of professional wrestling. We did it all in an hour. I could have probably fit in a little bit more, um, but I, I mean, uh, It it really wasn't, like, that much. But as you can see, there was a common theme. There was a conflict. There was action. There was somewhat adventure. And, for that matter, there was a resolution. Well, thus far. But the resolution has yet to be met. If I'm being honest. The resolution would probably come at the Judgment Day pay-per-view. Whenever The Undertaker, because he did beat Steve Austin, technically. Whenever The Undertaker faces off against Hulk Hogan. That's right. You remember Jericho and how he said somebody was going to get it? Somebody got it. And like I said, I'm not going to ruin that. But I'll just leave you guys to understand what it was. It was Chris Jericho. It was Jericho who did it. And I'm sure he had his reasons. I would like to bid you all a good night. Thank you so much for listening. 